the Providence College Friars. Will the party ever end tonight down to Providence? The Big East. And the rest of the college hoops world. You know that the party will not end. This is the Providence Crier Podcast with your host. A PC grant standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself. Mike Crier podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter. That's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, ProvidenceCrier.com. Join with me as always. We have BFC in the house. Follow him on Twitter at BFC all day. Today is Wednesday, December 13th, and the Friars uh, have a week off here at BFC for finals prep, but uh, they were back in action. Um, over the weekend on Sunday, beat Brown 74-54 at the Amp. Um, They, like I said, they had this whole week off um, for finals prep, and then they get Sacred Heart on Saturday, which would be the final exam, if you will, of the non-conference. And then they'll open up Big East play, hosting Marquette on Tuesday. So um, I guess today... We'll do this, BOC. We'll 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 chat about the Brown game. Um, talk a little bit about Sacred Heart game. Not dive too much into it, but you know, talk about the game. Talk about the non-conference as a whole. You know, where do you see them going into Biggie's play? And then I got a little test for you. Uh, in honor of it being Finals Week, BOC, I got a little Friars test. Uh, so so I'll hit you with that at the end. So. Let's talk about PC Brown. Um, again, they win by 20. First half, though, that was what was really impressive. Whole Brown and I, 13 points. Uh, the defense continues to show BFC. Yeah, the defense did show up. And I think that's something that's been the calling card for the Friars um, all season, even in the blowout loss to Oklahoma. They held them to, I think it was 13 points below their season average. And Oklahoma's looked like a really solid team. Um, what did they slot in the AP this week? Were they 10? Uh, the 11. That was one off. 11. So that's – and they had demolished Arkansas. They only ended up winning by nine. I was watching that game for obvious reasons. Um, the game was not even close to nine. Uh, it was a double-digit lead the majority of the game. Uh, we're not here to talk about Oklahoma, but the fact is the defense, even in a blowout loss, held Oklahoma well below their season average. It's the offense that didn't carry. So – the defense is going to keep us in pretty much every game. Um, and it's ironic, in my opinion, that the the concern around a King Kim English-led team is the offense. Because <laughs> I think we all thought that the offense was going to be something that was night and day from the Cooley teams, uh, which a lot of the games were rock fights, but the defense kept them in every game. And that seems to be the, uh, the recipe for this year as well. So, again, great defense. The offense really concerning. Um, I we'll talk about about it, but I caught a, a little bit of whack, I guess, from on the social media front because I walked away from the game a little bit disappointed, to be honest. I thought, yeah, I did. I, th- 
You didn't, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so continue. Yeah, I, I thought the turnovers were atrocious. And at some point, you need to start questioning whether English just prioritizes taking care of the basketball because we are one of the worst teams in all of college basketball. Like statistically speaking, we're one of the worst teams in college basketball when it comes to turnovers a game. Um, and a lot of these turnovers are really sloppy and careless. And I just don't know if it's um, if it's English saying we're just going to get up, up and down and run. And if there's turnovers that come along with that, so be it. But I thought the offense was really sloppy with the turnovers. And then even in the half court set, there seemed to be absolutely no rhythm to all to the offense itself. Corey Floyd Jr. bell us out a couple times um, with some buzzer beaters. Um, but it just seemed like a really – there were like fits and starts to the offense, and there was no real rhythm on the offensive end. So while the defense was fantastic, and I'm really excited about that because I do think it's a top 20 at worst defensive unit, we're, we're going to start facing better teams, and we need our offense to come through and a little bit more than just you know buzzer beater shots by Floyd and crew. Yeah, I mean, so, so the defense first half was outstanding, like yeah. no doubt about it. Um, to me, second half kind of left you a little more to be desired to give forty-one points. Um, so, but I mean that that was kind of be expected. They weren't going to hold Brown at twenty-six points and you know win win by like fifty points, um, which would have been cool, but uh, that wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, for me, the turnovers are a problem, yes. I think – so here's the deal. Kim English actually, in his post-game presser, addressed it, saying they need to clean them up. Um, turnovers are empty possessions, right? You know – like, Kim tries to run, in, uh, like, an efficient offense. So you know empty possessions aren't something that he's going to like. However, I do think there is some sort of middle ground into what you are saying that his style, he can live with turnovers. I think they can because they, they want to play up and down, you know? Um, you talk about this defense, or excuse me, you, you talk about the offense being bad. In the, I mean, right now it probably doesn't rank that well, um, but – it's definitely a different playing style that we're playing. And I think eventually, like, the offense creates really good looks. And, you know, especially in the Oklahoma game, right? We had some yeah. wide-open threes that we just didn't cash in on. Um, So, and then against Brown, I mean, they put up 74 points. Carter was 5 of 10 from the floor. Like, so your big three, Carter was 5 of 10. Hopkins was six of ten. You know, Dora was five of seven. Like that's pretty darn good. Um, you know, they, they combined for forty-eight points. Um, I mean, that's a good outing out of those three. Yes, except yes. the two numbers. Yeah, Carter with five, Hopkins with zero. Though, how about that clean game out of him? Say it again. Hopkins had zero turnovers in that game. Yeah, I mean, clean game you- out of him. I'm wearing his hat. You are wearing his hat, so you're uh, you're. Not only do we walk, not only do we uh, talk the talk, we walk the walk, and that goes into his pocket a bit. So, um, yeah, Mike's go, wearing go the support the NIL, folks. Exactly, Get support the NIL because it does matter. It really does matter. Um, 
Yeah, I think uh, if you want to talk Hopkins, I thought he had a good game, but I thought I still think he's trying. He doesn't know what to do on offense. I don't think he knows what he wants to be, and I, I don't. I I I don't know. Like I, I had a tweet that basically said it may not be the best for his NBA aspirations, but I think he should work from the foul line in and drive and play some bully ball in the post because I think that's the best version of Pop. And then once he starts seeing a few shots fall, then you can move him to the perimeter and maybe get a few wide open looks. But I think, I think settling for threes is giving the opposition a, uh, giving the opposition what they want from him personally. Yeah. Um, I'll agree. He's at his best attacking the basket, but to me, you know, last year he comes in, right. And, and basically, you know, there's not much tape on him. So his physicality, like, he's always going to be good around the basket because of his physicality, right? Um, but I think as the season wore on last year, more and more tape on him, they kind of figured that out. So I'm actually okay with him expanding his game. I, I'm pretty sure either it was before Brown or, or after Brown, I'm not sure. But um, he he's basically only taking one more three per game than he did last year, but he's hitting the same exact amount of threes per game. It was like 0. 0.8 or something like that. Yeah, he's so, he's twenty one percent from three so yeah. far. No, yeah. I mean and that. Not, so, so so you get an extra three point shot up per game. It's not going in right now, but I mean I I think that can change as the season goes on. Um, and you know you, you got. Carter, who's been scorching from three this year. What is he? Do you have that? Uh, he is. Let's see. Carter's 37%, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like he hits more. Um, but that that's still a good number. 37% is great. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, listen, I, to me, Floyd had a bounce back. To, uh, on Sunday. That, that was great to see. Oh, yes. And can I say one thing really quick? I don't want to be like this doom and gloom, like, oh, Brendan's like that guy who's upset after a 20-point victory. One, it was against Brown, so, like, we should be winning by 20, if not more. Um, and we haven't done that historically under Cooley, so, you know, it's good to see the teams that we should beat were throttling, which is different than what we've done under Cooley, which is great. Um, but you think bigger picture. You think about this team as a second weekend type team. There are things that we need to fix, and we saw it against Oklahoma. What? Why? Why did we go, go dig eleven a twelve zero hole because of the turnovers? Correct. These why things, did we lose the game? These, though? these things matter, and so if we we why follow, did we lose the game though? Say it again. Why did we lose the game? Because Hopkins couldn't hit anything. The whole team couldn't hit anything. They went ice cold. What with fourteen minutes left in the game. Yes, but the reason but the reason the reason why Devin Carter goes on an eleven zero run on his own, we're still down one. What it, like the reason why we did that is because we had so many turnovers. So oh, you would yeah, think, I'm, not, I'm not denying that the twelve zero start was absolutely turnover. No, no, no. The, the reason why I'm saying it is you would think the main focus coming out of that game would be like, guys, let's take care of the freaking ball. And then we have so many turnovers against Brown. We have that many turnovers, so it's you scratch your head and you start to get frustrated because it doesn't seem like it's at some point, it's not a, an outlier. It's just a part of this team's DNA. Um, and I'm hoping I'm wrong there, but it seems 
you know, you you are what your numbers say you are, and it shows that we just don't take care of the ball. The turnovers also didn't um... – the turnovers in this game, they had 17. They didn't hurt them. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I heard this, like, I think it was in the second half they said this. And then Brown ended up scoring on the fast break. So, um, off a turnover. Um, but I'm pretty sure Brown had zero points off the turnovers, which is hilarious. Well, that's Brown, yeah. <laughs> um, but, look, they did a great job against Keno Lilly, um, their leading scorer. He had 13, but he had zero at halftime. Um, I thought they did a great job with him. Uh, Owusu gave them some fits at times, but solid job against him. And then the rest of the guys didn't really do much for Brown. So, um, again, the defense was great. The offense is a work in progress, but look, I'm not – I'm confident, you know, as we go on here. I actually am. I I, I think – Look at look at what happens when the shots start falling. Like to your point, right. we didn't get any shots against Oklahoma. What big game did we play where the shots fell? Wisconsin, and we ran them off. We rolled them. Yeah, you rolled them. That that one that one what was it a thirteen point win? That should have yeah. been a twenty five point win. I know. Just um. So again, like I'm just calling it like I see it. I, I tend to think I'm a realist. Um. If the shots start falling, and we don't know if that's the case for what it's worth, like we don't know if we can consistently knock down those shots. That's a concern. But if they do start falling, this team becomes really, really tough to beat. And I think a top 15 team in the nation because we have the defense that is going to carry. Yeah. And I also what, think like what are we what did we how many points did how many points did Kansas State score in our loss? 70, right? 73? Yeah. But that was overtime. 73 in an overtime. Yeah. Yeah. So we scored 70 in overtime. We scored 50, what was it, 51 against Oklahoma? Yeah. So it's it's the offense that's the issue right now. And a lot of it is turnovers and not making the easy shots. And I I think that if we're getting wide open looks like we are getting, I think that will revert to the mean, so to speak, and we'll be okay. The turnovers are what concerns me. Yeah. It, and you know, I think I think part of an aspect of this um is like Pierre's not full attack yet um hamstrings are tricky um he's good enough to play he's moving around good but like that time off the court probably didn't help um and you know i i think once he gets more comfortable as the season goes on the offense can get better right i agree i, feel I mean way. i took i took him in the third round of our of our fantasy basketball league so i'm clearly high on pierre's potential well, yeah, he's from Jersey. What do you expect? Of course. Represent. <laughs> um, yeah, so Friars get the win. They end up um, dropping like two spots in, in Ken Palm. But, um, but metrically, they're, they're kind of in a good spot uh, when you're looking at. I mean, not great, but like, you know, the years prior of us like having to climb the Kenny, the Kenny Palm ladder, you know. Uh, at least we're in a good spot now where, uh, where, you know, in conference play, we're going to be able to climb the ladder from a better spot than where we typically are. Right. So we're 40, we're 47 in KP and 56 in net rankings as of, uh, as of this recording. Yeah. The, the net is still drunk. Um, I got on John Fennis spaces. I asked him 
is the net drunk. He didn't he didn't confirm or deny, but it's drunk. Uh, the day before Brown, we so Saturday was an action packed day of college hoops, and um, we jumped up eleven spots in the net for not playing. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't. Be, I still wouldn't be too concerned about the net. Uh, no, no. But, but yeah. So Friars wrap up non-conference play against Sacred Heart. Um, Sacred Heart's not having a good year. I think they were. I think they were projected to be pretty decent in their conference, but um, they're four and six. They've lost five straight. Um, oh, excuse me. They're four and seven. They've lost five straight. Um, you know, they beat Holy Cross. They beat Loyola, Maryland. And they beat Binghamton. Uh, and then they beat a college called Sarah Lawrence College. So, uh, in their opener. Um, but they have losses to Iona, UMBC, St. Joe's, UNH, BU, St. John's, and then they lost to rival Fairfield by 10. Just up and weekend. down, take, up and down the Eastern seaboard taking losses. Oh my God. And for the most part, they're getting smoked. They, they played St. Joe's tough. And, um, you know, Villanova can attest to St. Joe's is pretty decent. Um, St. Joe, that team is good. They played UH tough. They lost by six, but then, they got destroyed by BU by 31 or 21 lost to the Giants by 35. Um, so, I mean, this should be a nice, a nice final opponent to wrap up non-conference schedule in position province at, at nine and two on the year, um, which I think we would have taken. I, I, I think we had our sights on 10 and one, but I think nine and two uh, you take. I think nine and two with the night with the nice win over Wisconsin, you're you're content with that. You're not over the moon thrilled, um, but it's kind of status quo. So we did what we needed to do in non-conference. We didn't drop any ugly ones, which we've seen some teams do. So again, would have loved ten and one, yes, but nine and two, you're completely content with that, and it gives you the ability to to not have to make some Herculean effort in conference play to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no, yeah, they're not in the hole. They have no bad losses. Um, you know, the Kansas State loss, I think, then they will be fine. Um, Kansas State's not like ranked or anything at the moment, but I think they'll be. They could flirt with being ranked throughout the the year. It'll be interesting to see how the Big Twelve goes this year, though, especially with the new teams in the conference. Um, I should know this. Where's Wisconsin ranked right now? Uh, Wisconsin. They in the, like the high teens. I think so. After the win over Marquette, they beat UVA as well. They're twenty. Uh, uh, actually, oh no, twenty three. Twenty three. Hmm. Well, because they lost Arizona, who's oh, looks yeah. like a juggernaut right now. <clears throat> yeah. Um, they lost Arizona over the weekend, so they're twenty three. Um, but you know they they're already one and zero in Big Ten play with a win over Michigan state, who's really struggling. Um, so, so that will be a win that, that resonates throughout the year for sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see how like Georgia does. Um, 
you know, the dogs are, I think they got a solid team. They're not, I wouldn't say they're very good, but, but they're a good team, I think. And I think they can be decent in the SEC. But, I mean, that one might not be, you know, your stars that win. But, hey, ever since losing us, they've won four straight uh, over Winthrop, Florida State. That Florida State game, they were trailing, I believe, by a ton. Came back and won. Uh, and they beat rival Georgia Tech um, last Tuesday. So, um, we'll see how they do. They still have – this is weird. They still have four more games before they start SEC play. And they have they have four games in, in two weeks here. And then SEC play will start in January for them uh, at Missouri. But um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that win shakes up in the grand scheme of things too. But, you know, I, I do think the Big East kind of had a rough uh, non-con given the expectations – um, you know, I, I think UConn, Marquette, Creighton, even though they got blasted by Colorado State, Colorado State's showing to be a pretty good team. Um, you know, I, I think so, – so Creighton, UConn, Marquette. Um, God, who's the other one I'm missing? You could, uh, say it again. So Creighton, Marquette, UConn. Yeah. Us, and then I think there's one more team that's playing pretty well. Where's that? It is it just those four. Baller. I oh, guess Baller. Baller's playing well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Johnnies. Oh, I feel good about the Johnnies, man. It's feel a long good about season. About that take going into the year. It's a long season. It's a long season, BOC, but the big college basketball media does this every year. Every year they pick like a team or a player. That they just hype for no reason. I know you got Patino. I know he's a legendary coach. Uh, I know they got good portal ads. Be be careful. Be careful what you say about the Johnnies. Patino might have his men come after you. Yeah, he might. Him uh, and him and Tommy DeVito's men. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, they lose the BC at Barclays over the weekend. They're reeling. Um. And listen, I mean, they can certainly turn around and have a good conference. Um, you know, be good in the Big East and be fine and actually make the tournament. But to have them be top 25, which is ludicrous. Um, I, I go back, uh, I think, a few seasons. This is a few seasons now because this guy's hopped around from school to school. But one that I distinctly remember as being a head-scratcher to me was Andre Corbello, after his freshman year at Illinois, was tabbed as like an All-American going into the year. Uh, and he was horrendous, and they ends up transferring to St. John's, where he had his issues there, and now he's at like Southern Mississippi. So, um, it, the, the college hoops media does that. And like, he was a guy that had, like, he averaged six points four assists or something like that in his freshman season. And like, just tabbing this guy as an All-American, it's just crazy. Crazy. And, and the Johnnies, I, I sniffed that from a mile away. To, to say that they're going to be a top 25 team, a team full of transfers that never played a, with each other. Uh, new coach coming in, you know, he's back in big-time college basketball. Let's face it, Iona was not that. 
It's not. So, you know, to just assume that the Patino magic would make this team an instant juggernaut was just crazy to me. But. You off your soapbox now? Yeah, I am. You had to get that out, didn't you? I did. I did. Um, but I, but they're, they're yeah. a team like they're a team in February that's probably going to be a thorn in our side, you know, like in everybody's side. Which which is kind of scary now. Which, because, which sucks because it'll be a bad loss. Right? So, like, so Xavier and St. John's are two teams that kind of really struggled in, in non-conference. But they are two teams that, you know, even though I'm basking in the glory of, of St. John's not being close to a top 25 team right now, um, even though I'm basking in that glory, I, I do think they can kind of right the ship. And so can Xavier. So – Dude, it's like it's like last year and, and maybe this year with Villanova. Like you're supposed to win those games based off the record, but you know what they have in Moore and Dixon, and it's probably even more so this year because um, they're faltering a bit. Their resume is weird, but like yeah, we had to, we had to throw beers all over the place when we swept them. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's it, that's how it felt last year. It's like oh, it was a great Villanova win because we beat Villanova, but we kind of should beat them. And it just, uh, we're going to run into the same issues with Xavier. Like, no matter, even if Xavier, Xavier's 0-25, Sintas at their place is going to be tough, you know? Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Every game is not an easy one to be ace, outside of maybe DePaul and Georgetown this year. Uh, but, um, by the way, did you catch that Georgetown-Syracuse game from over the weekend? No, I was – I think I was on a jog or something. I forget where I was, but um, I heard there was a lot of uh, orange. A lot of orange, BSC. A lot of orange. Um, and listen, back when you and I went to school, right, and the Big East was an absolute juggernaut, a million teams, it was impossible to for province to, like, make headway in that league. Um you know, like when we played Cuse, there would be Cuse fans. So I'm not trying to be like, oh, we would never let Orange in our building. But but man, oh man, when Cuse made that run to pull away mm-hmm. and they had a, that like tip slam, the place was going nuts uh, with let's go Orange chance. Man, I, I don't know what – I don't know if Cooley knew what he signed up for, to be honest with you. Dude, I've, I've said it to anybody that will listen. And it's a lot of people that aren't Providence fans that like went to are alums of other Big East schools. Georgetown of the eighties and nineties is different than it is now. It's not like the go-to thing to do. And I think Cooley's probably realizing that PC basketball was the number one thing in town, number one thing in state. And that's just not the case regardless of how good your recruiting class is. There's just a lot of other things to do there. And I don't think people prioritize basketball in the greater DC area like they do in Providence. Yeah, no. Um, and then you talk. I mean, listen, like, if he can get them good, the people will come at the end of the day. Like, let's be real. I mean, we've kind of even seen that with our program, right? Like, um, you know, passionate fan base, but, um, you know, the, the amp now versus the amp seven or eight years ago is, is different. So, but people even, talk, but people talked about historically. Of course. Providence was still a hard place to play at. Of course. Of course. Um, all right, BLC, before we get out of here, hitting you with a quiz. 
uh, when I was at Providence College, I had a theology professor, Father Connors. Um, instead of a written final exam, you met with him and he asked your questions and you answered them. Um, and um, he called it an oral exam, which was, I mean, the jokes write themselves, POC. Uh, so, you know, you walk in there and he's like, are you ready for your oral? So POC, are you ready for your oral final exam from, from the crier? Ready and willing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here we go. Um, Bryce Cotton. He's tearing it up in the NBL right now, leading the league in points per game. However, his teammate is getting a ton of love in the NBA for the upcoming NBA draft. Could be a top three pick. Mm -hmm. Do you know the player? Uh, his last name's Saar, right? Ding, ding, ding. You got it. You got it. Uh, is, he, is he, I'm curious, is he producing in, uh, is he producing? Like, you know how some of these guys, like, they're like, top five projected picks, but they don't produce because they're in like a man's league. It's exactly that. You nailed it. Yeah. See, he's, he's averaging like six points again, but it has like some ridiculous dunks uh, in, in all this. Um, and the scouts are just ooing and gnawing over Alexandre Saar. That's so uh, Frenchman. Strange. I mean, the NBA loves the Frenchman now. Wemby, and now they, they just want to add all the Frenchmen. I mean, that, that Coolaby guy go, went to Washington and he averaged like six points per game on yeah. uh, on Wemby's team. So is he doing anything? Uh, he's been up and down, um, but yeah, it, they seem to think Kulubi is going to be good. I, I think that was a terrible pick, but yeah, I thought I, I thought he I thought it was because he was playing next to Wemby, which always helps. Yeah, all right, um, all right, good job. All right, next one, and this is more of a: Are you paying attention to our show, Boc? Um, uh, earlier in the year, Ticket Gains hit seven three pointers against who was that against? Was that a uh, Wagner? Is, is Wagner or Lehigh? I think right, one of the two. Yeah, let me. Yeah, it was Wagner. He was seven of ten from three. Um, the crier went on Basketball Reference to find out the leader. The, the friar who hit the most three-pointers in a single game. And basketball reference told me Don McGrath at nine, and that was incorrect. Who is the player that hit the most threes, and how many was it? Uh, so I I was listening, thankfully, to my own pod. Uh, it was a guy by the name of Dante Wade, right? Yeah. Was it 10, ten threes? Oh, wow. BFC, you're acing your oral exam right now. It, it was done away. I was about to make a very inappropriate joke. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was Dante Wade. Uh, he played pro for Province for one season. Dante Wade did, and uh, in a game for what, for what it's worth, if you didn't, if you uh, didn't say that on a prior pod, I you could give me a thousand guesses, and I never would have guessed this name. Dude, I, I had no idea who the guy was. Yeah, I, 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 st I still, I still don't. <laughs> I think he was like a Juco transfer and played like one season at Providence. Interesting. I think. Um, yeah, good job. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here. All right. So Dennis Felton, assistant coach mm -hmm. for the Friars. 
He was a head coach at three different stops. Give me two of them. Georgia was one, right? Correct. Uh, was he at Missouri or no? No, he was not. George Washington? No. I'm, I'm failing my oral. Um, all right, give me the other two. All right, he coached at Western Kentucky from 98 to 2003, in which time he took the Georgia job from 2003 to 2009. Uh, I believe he had like a, a Patrick Ewing moment at Georgia where the team wasn't very good, but then they won They won the uh, the SEC tournament and made, made the NCAAs. We have to get um, his, we have to get his secret admirer on the uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a good story if we ever get Dennis Bell on the, on the pod. Um, um, and then after Georgia, he was he went under Frank Haith. That's probably why he thought Missouri is. I believe yeah. Haith was a Missouri coach, um, but he was under Haith at Tulsa for three years, and then coached at Cleveland State for two, and that was his last. Head, head coaching spot. So Western Kentucky, Georgia, and Cleveland State were, were your answers. Um, all right. According to 24-7 sports, this is going to be the last one. Who was the highest ever rated recruit to Providence College? It has to be Ricardo Lita. I think you're right. Let me double check, though. I could give you probably the top five. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, BOC. I was going to prepare this test more and give you more questions, but um, I ended up not doing that. So uh, hold on. Just... If you package it together, it's probably in this order because you know I'm a recruiting nerd. It's probably Lido, Don, and the one that will probably surprise everybody is MAL, then, then. Duke and Reeves, or Brandon Austin's probably somewhere in between the three to five range. Yeah, so you are correct. It is Ricardo Lito, who was a five star, uh, with a not point uh, nine nine three three ranking, whatever that means. Uh, Chris Dunn was second, was also a five star, point nine nine oh one. Number three would be. Carway Duall. Oh yeah, that yeah, and is Mil after that? No, Duke Reeves and then Langford. Okay, that makes and sense. And then Brandon Austin. So, so I mean, you 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 had pretty much everyone around there. So good job, good on you, dude. It just show it just shows um, how big of a land the Duall land was. Oh, I know. And yeah. if and by the way, all the twenty five recruits that are on campus. If we landed any of those five stars, they would be slotted right after Dom. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, do you want to hit us with with the latest guy that's come out before we leave here quick? Yeah, I'll, I'll bonk you with it. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so the big man, the Juco, uh, I think it's Anton Bonk, who's a seven foot two center. Um, he comes from some island, some obscure island in the South Pacific, I believe. And he was training to be, I think, an Olympic rower for his country. Yeah. 
dude, oh, like, man, I hope you didn't have that piece because I was about to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so he, uh, so he's playing Juco ball now. And if you watch his highlights, like he's not, granted, there aren't many like freakish seven foot two people. So he's not really a great athlete. But the thing that I like is there's always the, uh, the thought that like a seven foot two person, like especially if they're non-American, like they kind of linger out in the perimeter and they don't mess around in the post. He does that. Like I'm not comparing these two at all, but if you watch some of his highlights, you see like a poor man, Zach Eady. Like he does, does a really good job of sealing his opponent. Does a really good job of getting the position. And obviously seven foot two can finish. Um, I don't care that there aren't many great offers and we're probably the best offer for him. It's a guy that, we don't have size first off on our team. He, we have size if we add him in a literal big way. Um, and I think he would actually contribute. Um, and clearly like if he's a rower, maybe it was before his huge growth spurt, he's, he has to be somewhat athletic and he's a, he's a big build. Like it wouldn't be a project where you need three years in a strength and conditioning program. Like he would be ready physically day one. Yeah. So he, um, born in the Netherlands, but then you're right. Some South Pacific, region he was living in um but but yeah now he's in the states um i i i don't think i think rowing came sort of late later in life kind of like hoops did um but uh but yeah he, he thought rowing was a good workout so i mean i love that he's an olympic rower i think that that can translate uh to hoops so exciting i i would love me some buck uh that's all i gotta say but uh, anything else, yeah, I know you got to scoop. Yeah, I got to run. Um, he's visiting sometime over the next couple of weeks, and I think Oswin. I think, I think it's this week. Oh, is it? Okay, good. And I think Oswin is also visiting again, so that's good. After because he was present for the Oklahoma thrashing on an official visit to Oklahoma, so it's good that he's coming back. So slowly but surely, the front court pieces are getting together. But that's all I got. All right, Biggie's play will be here before you know it, folks. Till next time, see you later, Firetown. See you guys.